paranormal, conspiracies, and much more. Star your host and co-host, Jenny Nicasio, Sean Kelly, and Jason Sledgehammer Ryan Petro. Brought to you by UPRN Network. Now for your host, Jenny Nicasio. Cool. Good. Good evening and welcome to Chasing Prophecy on FM 105.3 New Orleans, where we discuss anything and everything beyond the scope of normal on Torture Tuesdays. No. Torture Tuesday. <laughs> torture yeah. Tuesday. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's Who our new love a little Torture Tuesday. That's our new, uh, I guess, slogan. That's our new slogan. Yeah. yeah. Torture Tuesdays yep. on Chasing Absolutely. Prophecy. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Uh -huh. definitely. Yeah, that was the one. You know, got the, the case on the Mondays all the way. Now we're on Torture Tuesday. Texas Thursday, Thursday. Exactly. Okay, what happened to Ed? Where'd he go? I guess he got. He didn't understand. I told him. Uh oh. I told him. Uh -oh. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have anything. Oh my god, he's he totally. Um, he disappeared. He disappeared. I guess yeah. he. He's a ghost. He's a ghost. He's been ghosted. Oh, yeah. he's been ghosted. Oh, this is yeah. gonna be. You might have to message. There he is. Ed. Okay. Well, stay there. Don't go anywhere, Ed. <laughs> he's in the green room. <laughs> it's funny. gonna. It's gonna be. <laughs> it's that torture <laughs> Tuesday. Computer gremlins. We're still having yes, a little bit of the um, full moon left. That's probably what's going on. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> I didn't think I was gonna make it today. It's one of those Why days. Why not? Why not? Um. I guess I've been watching the news too much, so we're not going to talk. This is our escape for the people, so we're gonna, uh -oh. we're not going to we're not going to talk about politics. Da, da, da. But, um, there you go. I got to stay, yeah. stay. Hey, Jeff. I got to stay off the TV, so this should be good. So we have uh, two hours, or hour and forty minutes, and mm -hmm. it should be a really interesting show tonight. I'm really happy. We have a great guest, so why don't we just get to it, guys? Um, Jason, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest tonight? Yes, that would be my pleasure. Tonight we're going to have Ed Kellerman. He is a retired Allegheny County officer where he was also one of the founders of the Bomb Squad. How, how cool is that? That's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. Nowadays he's an author, a playwright, a columnist, and he also spends an ordinate amount of time with the Pennsylvania investigators of paranormal phenomena as a technician and a paranormal investigator. Also, during the course of writing his Haunted Pennsylvania collection, consisting of five books, he has been involved in over 300 paranormal investigations. Now, this is something I'm really excited to talk about. Yes, yes, yes. So where's Ed? Bring him in. Where's Ed? Welcome to Chasing <laughs> Prophecy, Ed. Ed, welcome. Hey, Ed. There How you is. doing, Ed? Hey, welcome. Glad to see you guys. Great. Glad yeah, to be good here. To see you. Glad to have you. Yeah, we're glad to have you too. Get past all the gremlins. Of yeah. The yeah. <laughs> yep. We are very happy to have you. Well, Ed, you know, um, I've been doing a lot of research on you, and you got some amazing, amazing books out there. And I'm going to try to do a screenshot. I mean, you know, I'm not very good at this, so I'm going to try to. Oh, Put your books on here. No, don't say that. <laughs> no, come on, please man. Please don't. Don't say that, please. No jinx. No jinx. No <laughs> jinx. I'm going to no try torture. to do. Now, if I get screwed up, guys, I'm going to have to. You got to let. I can't see the screen. I'm going to try to do a slideshow of all his books. But for oh. some reason, 
for some reason, I can't get you back on. I'm going to try to do this. So um, we're going to try to do it anyway. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, really. There you go. There it is. And the angels sing. I'm going to try to do a, I don't know if it's going to let me do a slideshow, but I'm going to try. If I I have to hit, um, can you guys see that? Yep. Oh, yeah, I can see it. I can't see it, so I'm well, just going to <laughs> These are all his books. Um, they're amazing. And we're going to start with Haunted Route 30, I think. Okay. Um, but, yeah, Haunted so. Route 30 was my first book on a Haunted Pennsylvania series. Okay. What what places did you uh, investigate? Um, okay. Get here's to here's get the thing. What this started to be. What this started to be was just an excuse for me to take long rides on my bike, okay? Okay. And uh, I'd be hopping on a bike, and my wife would say, where are you going? I said, research. She said, can't you do research from a car? I said, no, it's not the same thing. And uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of how it started, and, and then I really got into it. And right, and the, the book wound up, uh, Haunted Route 30 has about 55 or so hauntings along Route 30 in order from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And and they're just like written as if you're riding down the route. They're one after the other, and there's directions how to get from one place to the next place. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I don't put in many of my books is people who don't want someone showing up at their front door saying, can we see the ghost? You know, right. I don't put those guys right. in the book because they don't right. need that. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was really interesting. What I did, I did the, the original Route 30 path, not the one you have today. It was oh. the old Lincoln Highway. Oh. Okay. And and, uh, the book starts at Point State Park in Pittsburgh, ends at Philadelphia Tavern, at Old City Tavern in Philadelphia. Did you get to the Playhouse down there in Point Park? Oh, yeah. Point Park Playhouse. Yeah. Did did you know the story about that, the the Screaming Red Meanie? No, I don't. No, no, (laughs) I never heard that. they, 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 They were rapping a play there one night. And they, they broke down the sets and they're having like a, uh, a, you know, a post party, a rap party. And someone brought out a Ouija board and they started oh, messing nah. with the Ouija board. And next thing they knew, this, this green, there's, I mean, this red apparition appeared and started walking around the table faster and faster and faster. And then it started really running around, running around, running around the stage. And eventually it wound up was actually running on the walls of the auditorium where the stage was. And then all the lights in the building started flashing on and off and all the telephones in the building started ringing and then everything went silent. And uh, oh, when wow. I first heard that story, I says, yeah, well, maybe. Right. But uh, I actually w- wound up meeting the lady who was up on stage at that time. And she, at that, she became the director of the uh, uh, Fort Bedford museums out there. And that's where I interviewed her. Mm-hmm. But there was other stuff at the, uh, um, at uh, the old Point Park uh, complex down here. It's actually up in Oakland. And uh, all kinds of hauntings was going on up there. It was a, uh, a series of buildings there. Uh, one right. was uh, a lady. Uh, let's see, how did that work? She, she caught her husband with, a, with, a, with another woman. So she uh, shot him. And then she ran down the hallway and took a header off the like third story window and died. Uh, Later on, another actor, I think his name was John Johns, I'm not sure, okay? He's a very good character actor. He had appeared in a lot of productions there, 
and uh, they uh, he passed away. And then from time to time, he would appear on stage at the, the playhouse with that woman who had committed suicide. And they would act back and forth between themselves. Oh, my. That's, that, that's, that's pretty, pretty interesting. We, um, we got that's the opportunity. That's off the top of my head. But there was, uh, there was a number of other ones there, too. Mm-hmm. And then it just went on um, from there. I mean, you, uh, you, you went from Point State Park and you go along the old Route 30 route and you you go along uh, Mercy Hospital as a spirit of the nun there. And uh, like uh, a person was had an operation and he complimented the staff about this nun that would come to him during the night and help him with a, a cooling towel and bring him water and stuff. And you described the nun and what she was wearing, uh, the old nun habit, uh, and they told him. They knew who there was, uh, Sister Mary something, I can't remember the name now. But uh, remembered who it was, and they told him that nobody in that hospital had worn habits in like the last 20 years. It was a no, deceased huh? nun from there. And it just goes on and on and on. There's just so much history. Where there's history, there's, there's folklore, and there's also hauntings, too. Um, mm-hmm. You used to go from there to, uh, oh, Mercy Hospital, to uh, the, the Bluff at Duquesne University, old Fisher Scientific Building, and you know, then you can wind up. Uh, you'll come up to the uh, Point Parks place, the old Pittsburgh Playhouse up there. Yep. University of Pittsburgh, the Cathedral, the Carnegie Library, and museums, and just keeps on going. It's a uh, it's a fantastic trip all the way along there, like fifty five locations. It's 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 really interesting. I see a uh, and I, I've long been journey road trip in the future. <laughs> what got oh, yeah. you involved into the paranormal? Make little mini road trips too. Oh, that'd be game. Uh-huh. <laughs> what got you involved in the paranormal? Well, I've always you know, always been a writer, but I wasn't writing much in, in the paranormal. But I wound up on okay. the board of directors at uh, West Overton Museums down in Scottsdale, PA. That was the birthplace of Henry Clay Frick. And we mm-hmm. were doing a like a Halloween thing down there. We did some stage work and stuff like that. We were doing a Halloween show down there where you take people on a tour and you like the the haunted barn and you have like a, a scene that's a, uh, a, a funeral and this kind of stuff. And I would start at the mansion and I was dressed in character as my character called little Butch Bo Pete. You can picture uh-huh. me in a polka dot hoop dress. Okay. <laughs> 40, 48 double D bra. A, oh, oh yeah. I, and it, I'll tell you what, it, it took the Sunday edition to stuff that one. <laughs> and then blonde wig. A bonnet, a shepherd's crook, my work boots, and of course my beard. I wasn't shaving my beard. You probably looked lovely. <laughs> oh, I was wonderful. I was wonderful. And uh, I started in the, in the, the mansion and, and to bring people down through the mansion. And it was kind of tongue in cheek. I'd be down in the basement of the mansion. I'd say, now, here's something over here. It's very rare. You people have never seen anything like this before. This is the original 1812 microwave. And, you know, and, and some people would actually believe it. But anyhow. <laughs> I was walking along, and there's haunts. There's, there's legitimate haunts there also. And I was walking along at one point, and a, a disembodied voice said, here, take this, and knock my bonnet off my head. And someone caught it like two rows back in the crowd out of the air. Oh, at the exact same time that was happening to me, my young son was in a place called the Stock Barn, where they had a mock funeral. And he was up on the second floor, and his job was to, like, drag chains back and forth and make spooky sounds. 
Well, I had a crew come through there. He did that. And then he stopped dragging the chains after the crew left. Well, the noise didn't stop. And then all the farm utensils on the wall started shaking and rattling. Previous hmm. to that, another friend of mine had a, uh, uh, an occurrence in the distillery. So I was talking to her, and she was a writer. And we got, we said, hey, we got to write a book about this place. So we did. We wrote a book called Weird West Overton, but there's like eight or nine different haunts there. And that got me started. Crazy. It turned out to be a good seller for them. <laughs> so yeah, then the next thing I know, I started working on the route. Well, I did one called the uh, the Haunted Foothills about the, the hauntings in the Highlands and uh, Laurel Highlands. And I did the Route okay. 30 book and then, then the Route 22 book, just on and on. Sounds like Pennsylvania ever... is really uh, active. You know, like... Actually, it is. Yeah. Have you ever you made know, like... it to the Jean Benet? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh uh, yeah, the Jean Benet is in my book, and I, I, I did an investigation there, too. Uh, Jean mm -hmm. Benet has, uh, I believe, right now, four active haunts, okay? Uh, before, they had five. The Back in the uh, 1760s, General Forbes caught a teamster who they considered a spy for the other side. So back in those days, you know, they, they didn't put him on probation. They hung him. And uh, mm -hmm. because the guy was known in the area and Forbes had a small detachment with him, he didn't want the word to get out. He hung him in the basement of the building, and then they buried him in the basement floor. Now, as time went went on, they, this guy, he was his spirit would appear from time to time, and people would get the idea that there must be money involved because you know Forbes buried this guy, and he was buried with uh, a pound of silver, and a pound of silver became two pounds of silver, and then it became he had gold, and then it became <laughs> jewelry and all this other kind of stuff, and it just fell right into folklore and nobody believed it even though his spirit right. would appear from time to time yeah, well the family bought the family that bought the jean benet oh, they put a real nice upscale restaurant in the basement in order to do that they had to lower the floor two feet now this teamster guy who's been haunting this place for like 200 years they dug down and they found his remains and oh, wow. basically all it was was a few bone chips and a couple buttons and stuff but anyhow, they had it reburied properly in a cemetery over in Bedford. And when they did that, he stopped haunting the place. So he just needed to be, like, put there. the put the rest and you know put the peace rather than how it all right. went down. Right, and that's uh, you know, you know that's, that's 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 kind of stuff like that. And we do a lot. The, the group I you know we we started called PIP, you know Pennsylvania Investigators of Paranormal Phenomenon. We do a lot of investigations. Our whole mm -hmm. Uh, aim is to help the spirits and help the people that are being bothered by the spirits. We don't do this right. for, uh, I don't know if I can say this. I've said it's a podcast. I guess I can say, no, you're, we're, on, we're on the air. Okay. <laughs> we, don't, <laughs> we don't do it for fun. There, there's, there's a group I call the uh, uh, the giggles crowd. You know what goes with giggles, right? And we don't do it that way. <laughs> One thing I would like to say, though, is we have our methods of investigating. I, I work with uh, a couple of psychics, and we have a couple of tech people, and I'm like a half halfway techie guy. I know a little bit about the stuff, and I, I'm the tech man, and I do all the recording and stuff. What I would like to say is there's there's probably in across this state maybe well over 100 paranormal investigative teams, and they all have their own methods. But I've run into some people who think that the method they found is the only method. Like they have found oh, the answer. 
right? Uh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. I want to yep, tell yep. people, if you come across someone like that, run from them. Because <laughs> if, if you have an investigative team and your investigative methods is getting results and it's working, then there's nothing. It's good. It's good. That's, that's what works for you. And if it works for you, fine. It may not work for someone else, but it's working for you. That's the best that's way to be. Yeah. 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 But I have run a couple of closed-minded people who think that their way is the only way. And, there's, and many, there's people. That, there's many. Yeah. 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 They wind. They wind up founding a religion somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we have Brute Thirty, and then we have right. um, which one? I like the one about. Well, we're going to do the one about the um, the objects. You know, what kind of objects you have? Do you uh, have like the objects um, that you, the haunted items? Oh, the haunted that, objects. No, yeah. How did you find, how did you? you oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. That, what is one? Let's go, go through the most, well, the most unusual. Oh, well, well my favorite is in there. Okay. That's going to take a little while to tell the story. Okay. Okay. It's, uh, in there is the, the haunted cauldron. Okay. Now we got to go back to the 1700s. And in okay. the 1700s, there was a fellow called Anthony Wayne, General Anthony Wayne. He was called Mad Anthony Wayne. Successful businessman, and during the Revolutionary War, he raised his own regiment. His men adored him. He would get them into situations that nobody could get out of, and they would fight their way out and win. And uh, as a matter of fact, after one of these, they, they come out of, uh, I forget where they were fighting in New Jersey somewhere, and they were, they were supposed to lose, but they won. So on the way back, he stopped at a tavern outside of Philadelphia, and they partied nonstop, 24 hours a day for a solid week on his dime. So you can see why the men loved him. The guy who owned the place loved it so much, he renamed the place the General Wayne Inn, and it had that name all the way up until it closed about, uh, well, about eight years ago. But he went through the war doing this. And the way he got the name Matt Anthony Wayne, he had a fellow working for him called Sometimes Jimmy. The reason it's called Sometimes is because Jimmy was a spy, and sometimes Jimmy would actually come back and report to him. <laughs> One day, Jimmy gets arrested for drunken disorderly. And he says, you can't do this to me. I am a personal friend of the general. If you call him, he will tell you, not call him, but send a message to him. He will tell you that I have to be released. I'm essential to his command. And so he sent the, the note, and Anthony Wayne, in turn, sent a message back saying, not only is this guy not a friend of mine, but if I were you, I'd lay on an extra 20 lashes on him. And that guy said, he's mad. That's what he is. Anthony Wayne is mad. And the name stuck. That's, that's how he actually got the name. But anyhow, he went through the war. He was a, a, you know, a war hero. Everything's named after him. Waynesburg, Wayne County. Uh, uh, Waynesboro, there's uh, Wayne, Indiana. These are all named after him. He's so popular. And after the war, he went down to Georgia and got elected to the Senate. And he was elected to the Senate for just a couple of weeks. And there was something about irre irregularities with the ballots. So he had to resign and leave Georgia. He come up to Pennsylvania, come back up to Pennsylvania. Of course, him being crooked, first thing they did was appoint him to the legislature. And then he was there. Then General Washington, who was president at the time, called him back into the army to go to the Northwest Territories, which at the time was Cleveland, and settle down, settle the, the Native Americans there, which he did. While he was there, he contracted gout. And so he worked his way back to Erie, 
uh, and he died of complications of gout. So, you know, this guy, along, along the way, all these different things he did, it could have been the end of his story. You know, he was a, a war hero, end of the story. He could have a senator, end of the story, legislator, end of the story, called back in, settled the Indians, end of the story. But the story's just beginning now. They buried him at the foot of the flagpole at Prescott, at the military base there. So, okay, there's, there's old Tony there. He's, he's under the, 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 under the flagpole. Back in Philadelphia, his daughter, Margretta, she starts aggravating her brother. So this isn't right. Dad is out of country. Something ought to be done. He deserves a good burial in a Presbyterian church back here in Philadelphia. So she aggravates him for 10 years. And finally he says, okay, darn it, I'll go get dad. So he loads up a trap, which is like a sports car for horses, just two wheels with a, a seat and an old trunk in the back. 300 and some miles, almost 400 miles from Philadelphia to Erie back in those days on dirt roads and stuff. Goes all the way up there and dad's under the flagpole. They dig up dad. And to their surprise, because of soil conditions or something, dear old dad, he, his body didn't rot. So the doctor says, the same Dr. Pronson dead was actually his personal doctor. Doctor says, no problem. I'll just boil the meat off the bones. and You can take the bones back. And so the son said, well, okay, I'm going to go in time and get drunk while you're doing that. So he took a couple of days and they boiled the meat off the bones. They used this, this big cauldron and they had tools they used to scrape the meat off the bones and all this other stuff. So then the kid loads the stuff back onto the, the trap and it's like in a wooden box back on the axle and he rides back. So you get down to about Lewistown, Pennsylvania, old route 322. Right about there, the hasp on the box works its way loose, and the bones start bouncing out. Now, meanwhile, back in Philadelphia, I mean, back in Erie, where they dug the hole up and they dug him up, they poured the juice and the meat and this, all the leftovers back into that hole and put the coffin lid on top of it and threw the cauldron in some of the tools. So anyhow, now we're back down to Route 322. His bones are bouncing out, and the son doesn't know this. He gets back to Philadelphia. When he gets back to Philadelphia, he has about 40% of dad's bones. So they bury him there. And that should be the end of the story, <laughs> but not. Back in Erie, now, now he's buried properly in Philadelphia. Nice little, he has a beautiful monument and everything else. But he's like misses his bones and he appears from time to time. And he's a little upset about that. But you go back to Erie where they buried the, the meat and the juice and the fat and all this other stuff when it, for when they boiled himself off, they built a guardhouse over top of where he was buried. A few years goes by, the guardhouse burns down. So they build another guardhouse on top of it. A few years goes down, goes by, that guardhouse burns down. And instead of building another guardhouse, they leveled the field and used it for a parade ground. So after about 30 years, they forgot where... Uh, they had buried his stuff. They just lost it. In 1880, I think it was 1882, a fellow comes by and wants to find him. So he goes hand on his hands and knees all over that thing till he finds burnt uh, evidence of burnt posts and stuff. And that's where that guardhouse was. And dig, and he find, finds the cauldron. They find the coffin lid. Now, by then, of course, there's nothing else left. All, all our stuff is sunk into the ground. And so what do you think they did there where the coffin lid was and everything else? They built another guardhouse on top of it. So 
Today, that coffin lid and the plaque and everything is still inside that guardhouse up on press. The cauldron and the tools that they used were, was given to the Erie County Historical Society, and they have it in there at the Historical Society. So certain nights, guards, guardsmen in the building, we walk around, they can hear the cauldron rattling inside the, the, the <laughs> closet where it's kept. And they can open it up and they see the, the tools and stuff will, will rattle around in there. Like, you know, like I, I call him, used to be Matt Anthony, and I call him Pissed Off Tony. Because now he, <laughs> he wants to find his stuff. <laughs> and so then that's going on there. Now, he was born on New Year's Day. So on New Year's Day, his spirit has been seen in full military regalia, galloping along on his war, ho- war horse down on the stretch of Route 322 where his bones were lost. And then in Philadelphia, an apparition comes about at certain places, certain times around the grave. So what you got, you got this guy who was a hero and everything else. He's buried in three different places. You know, God. Some oh, of his wow. bones are in Philadelphia. Some of his bones are scattered along the road in, near, uh, Wayne's, uh, near uh, Lewiston. And then the the muscles and everything else was poured poured into a hole in in, in Erie, so you see why wow. I say he's he's upset. Tony, he's not really you know, not happy. <laughs> no, and he, he's no. my favorite. He's my favorite in that book, in in the book about the, the hauntings. And I have a picture of a cauldron and stuff. Let's see. Is it like a witch's cauldron? <laughs> well, all yeah, it kind of does. It kind of the the actual one kind of does look like that. Uh, what it is, is if, if you can picture a big copper, a great big copper pot that they would sit on top of a fire. That's basically okay. what it was. You know, it would hold about uh, maybe, uh, maybe 10 or 15 gallons. That's We're, a pretty big cauldron. Yeah. Do yeah. You, have yeah, you seen these items? I mean, up close and personal? Yeah. Yes, yes. I've seen the cauldron and the tools up up in area in, uh, in storage up there. So when you and saw them, long- did you... Uh, could you feel like uh, when you saw these items up close and in person? Could you feel like the energy radiate off of them from you know the no, spirit? No, no, no. I I'm not psychic. Okay, I have a little bit of abilities. I'm, I've been described as an empath, but I I don't have any real psychic abilities. Now, when I'm working with with my partner on the on the on the team, and she's a very very good psychic. If I'm like within two foot of her, sometimes. A little bit of her abilities will, will bleed off on me. For instance, we were doing a an investigation at a theater, and we're up on the stage, and she says, "You see that old couple back here in the corner?" And I look, and say, "Darn, yeah, I can see them." And she says, "Well, they don't want us here." <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, I, but I could see them that time, and certain certain other times when I'm with her, I, I can. But but normally, I, I am not psychic, uh, and I have no psychic abilities really. Have you ever brought her up to Erie to look, check out the cauldron? No, no, she wasn't. She hasn't wasn't long on that on that particular investigation. No. Um, mm-hmm. I did a lot of stuff I did for the books. I, I did on my own, and I also did with a different psychic. And okay. uh, you know, work along that way. And but like with with Bev, um, her name is Beverly Lagorga. She's a very good psychic, uh, very talented. Uh, we we do a lot of uh, investigating together. And we do a lot of stuff in private homes, and we help mm-hmm. them out that way. Well, we One place mm-hmm. uh, that we did is uh, um, you guys, you heard of the, the Railroad Museum of Pennsylvania down near Strasburg? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, it's an amazing place, an amazing place. We got called in there by the curator 
to do a paranormal investigation. Because I had written a, one of the books in my uh, Haunted Pennsylvania series called The Haunted Railroads of Pennsylvania. So naturally, I figured that's a good place to sell the book in their gift shop. So I go down here and I some, I'm huckstering the book to the lady. And, you know, they bought it for some books. And she says, the curator wants to talk to you. And I'm thinking like, you know, I'm a product of parochial schools. I figured, oh, it's like the principal. What did I do? What did I do? Why, <laughs> I why do she it. want to talk to me? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I go over and talk to him. And he says, uh, we've been having some difficulties with paranormal activity here in the museum. Uh, would you be interested in doing an investigation here? And outside, I said to him, yeah, I think we could do that. Inside, I'm going, yeah, right. Yeah, because exactly. This place is huge. It has yeah. inside the building, it has like more than 50 restored pieces of historic railroad equipment. And it's everything's immaculate. It's restored better than the day it was built. And there's so much history and everything with that. So I bring Bev up there and also uh, the other psychic work, Kat, that First time with Bev walk up there and she walks in and she just stopped dead inside a door. And the place was just completely packed. She said, she says, there's, there's hundreds of people here and everything. I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody. And we estimate in that building is between eight and 10,000 spirits. Wow. But, That's amazing. But wow, it's geez. what we call it's residual hauntings. It's residual haunting. It's uh, it's imprinted on the environment. It's not a spirit. Uh, that you can interact with uh, in mm-hmm. in the in that whole museum we have about three maybe four spirits that we call intelligent or active spirits that we can interact with but the uh, uh, residual hauntings is when something is the energy has been imprinted on uh, a place or an object or something like that and when conditions are right you'll get an apparition sometimes you get uh, you know electronic voice phenomenon that kind of stuff but in there you have, uh, in that museum, you have railroad equipment from all these years. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, one of the pieces of equipment, as the engineer on there, and he thinks he's still making runs, okay, and you can interact with him. What got us called in there, there's a big old steam locomotive, number 1187. And the curator told me people would tour the museum. On the way out, they would stop at the ticket booth, and they would congratulate people in the ticket booth will say this place is fantastic those reenactors you have are so authentic on that big engine over there that 1187 engine those guys are so authentic they even have soot on their faces and oh, you know, they tell them all there's no reenactors in <laughs> <Yeah>. this museum <laughs> and when we had you know uh, and a couple other ones uh your, your piece of equipment was in such bad shape that before they could restore it they had to encase it in steel and uh, we had uh, activity in there that we could interact with. But it's just, it's, we got so much activity in there that I wrote a book just about that place. And wow. as a matter of fact, I'm going here tomorrow. Take us with oh. you. Take us huh? with you. Do you have any uh, <laughs> pictures or anything like evidence? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially at the museum. In the museum, I have uh, uh, that 1187 locomotive I was telling you about, I have a shadow figure. That I have it on tape, that on a video that uh, walking across the back of the uh, the tender. That's Sweet. one there, and then in the uh, what's this other one? It's an old passenger car. It predates the Pullman cars. I have a stick figure that, that walks back and forth across the tops of the seats in that one, and then they have another uh, car 
that they used for training railroad workers how to uh, operate the air brake systems on the car. And as Beverly, I got a video, as Beverly's walking down there, they had like five training stations inside the car. As she's walking along, a figure detaches from one of the training stations and walks alongside her the length of the car. And then when she stopped, it continued on into the office at the back of the car. Plus, we have all kinds of EVPs in there. It's just incredible. Why do you um, think it's just residual hauntings and not like just a, a spirit? Well, because, because we... Because we can't interact with them. They're they're there. They just won't. They the, just uh, won't communicate. It's it, it's more or less. It's more or less almost like looking at a hologram or a loop. So it's like energy you know, that's left behind from them. Right. That's what it is. It's energy that's left behind, and then when other energy hits, builds up to a point, it'll tip it, and you'll be able to see it or maybe or hear it. And I I compare it to those. <clears throat> you ever go to a water park and see the great big bucket, but the kids will be underneath mm-hmm. there and it fills up with water. That's why I compare it to the, the energy builds to a certain point and it tips and these things become visible or audio, you know, or they'll come up on audio. Why do you think that's there's so many there? Because the the uh, the railroad equipment, OK, goes back to the as early as 1832, 34, all the way up through now. And we have trains there was used for troop transport in the Civil War, the Spanish-American War, World War One. World War II and, uh, and the Korean War. And okay. these soldiers, they were transport on that. Uh, we're waiting to go back on, uh, Beverly has to go back to one of the cars because some of the soldiers, the spirits of the soldiers on a the car, there's an active one in there and he begged her to come back because he wants to tell her the story. And we, we were, she was exhausted that day and couldn't continue. So, and then COVID hit. So, okay. uh, so we're, we, will, we will be going back uh, to continue on that one. But just every, every one of those uh, those things that uh, you have these, uh, I have a, uh, I set up a, a video camera down the aisle of a passenger car that was operable back in the 1860s, okay? And mm-hmm. you, I run that video and then I, then I have to stare at it on a computer. And so I'm staring at like two and a half hours of a, of a video when nothing nothing's happening, which, mm-hmm. you know, makes your eyes cross. But on this particular time, we set up the thing, we left the car. And after about 10 minutes, you hear a voice like it goes, but you can't make out what they're saying. It's like a moment. Then you're next thing you know is the sound of an entire railroad car of people talking to each other. This is going on, you know, on the on the audio portion of the video. Then all of a sudden it stops like you flip the switch. And the next thing you see, you see our heads bouncing along the, the windows coming back to the car, almost as if they said, they're coming back. We better shut up. Hmm. And that's, you know, that's just another one down here at the, at the railroad museum. We just want to take a real quick break. Um, if there's anybody have a question for Ed, you can go ahead and post them in the chat. I believe there's, there's a number of different chats open. Um, there's YouTube. Um, there's Pittsburgh paranormal society. There's okay. UFO paranormal radio. So there's a number of different ones, International Community for Alien Research. So if you have a question for Ed, please post it. And Jason or Sean or I will read that and give it to Ed. All right, yeah. I'll do my, I'll do my <laughs> best to answer the question. Hey, yeah. Ed. Go ahead. I got a yeah. question real quick. Sure. When, when you say that uh, whenever you interact with spirits, what? how do you interact? Okay. I interact with them, <clears throat> excuse me, using a digital recorder. 
and also okay. using uh, digital video equipment. The other way that I will interact with a spirit is with a K2 meter using yes and no questions. And what we say, we tell them because their they're energy is what spirits are, their energy. And as they get closer to the K2 meter, it will send it higher and higher. And I, we do yes and no questions. I say, the closer you come, that will light it up. And that'll mean yes. And you back off and that'll be nothing. and means no. So you have to mm -hmm. use yes and no questions. The other thing that I use is dowsing rods. And same thing, it's yes and no questions. You, know, you cross the rods for a yes, spread the rods out for a no. Um, okay. And then, with, then I get EVPs on the uh, digital recordings and stuff. But that is usually, <clears throat> excuse me, with re recordings, that is usually Beverly will be interacting with a spirit and she will ask questions, okay? And I don't hear anything. She'll hear the answer. I don't hear anything. But when I play it back, on the the audio with the digital recorder, I'll some oftentimes get the answer will come back on the recorder. And it's just verification of what she's doing. It's always cool to catch uh, EVPs and stuff, you know. Especially What's that? From different, it's always pretty cool to catch EVPs. You know, spirits actually communicating with you. It's like, oh yeah, like you said, you you can't hear them, but then you go back and review. You're like, oh, I just heard. You know, it answered my question it, like spot on. What is really funny is I have. I have two really good digital recorders, but the audio. I have a I have a Nikon uh, SLR with uh, you know digital. Okay, what is really funny is I get better audio results in that Nikon than I do with my digital recorders. Hmm. Yeah. What do you get, Justin? What do you got? That that I think we've been on a couple investigations where your videos pick your video camera picked up some noises too, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I use uh, digital video cameras as well, and uh, I have a full-spectrum DSLR camera, uh, you know, FK2s. But uh, my favorite piece of equipment that I have is a, a Zoom H1 digital recorder, just a handheld. Um, yeah. Mine's about 15 years old, and it's just mm -hmm. still the probably the best piece of equipment I have for picking up EVPs. But yeah. I've also realized that uh, my video cameras that I have, which are uh, Panasonic HC uh, VX981s with night vision. Okay. With a, uh, I use a, uh, a Rode shotgun mic on there, and I'm starting to realize they're picking up a lot of stuff. That, oh, yeah. Know, it, it, it's just amazing, you know, then comparing the two together, you know, you catch it on one, sometimes you catch it on both, sometimes, you know. Yeah, that's, that's great. And sometimes you'll catch it on two of them at the same time, which is really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Because laughs> that one, just verifies all. I'll run, I'll run side by side, and one will catch it, and one won't. Right. And that's uh. Then another thing is that uh, I use a uh, a program called Audacity. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, it, it's yeah, free because exactly. I'm because I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> I, I download all this stuff. I'll download all my audio into Audacity, and and I'm at the point now, if I get uh, maybe ten minutes into an audio. And I start picking up EVPs. I can spot the EVPs by their by their wave sign, which right. is really was really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now you want yeah, one thing. We, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. I'm, now I want to ask you since we were talking, you were talking about sound waves and stuff. There, uh, I'm going to see if you experience the same thing I have. So I use Logic Pro for you know going back and review. Same, you know, Audacity, Logic Pro. You know, they all do essentially right, yeah. the same thing. But anyways, um, I've noticed that even if I could see the sound wave of the EVP, 
all the I have yet to find it, but I'll take I'll do like a sweep on the uh, on an EQ of the whole okay. frequency range, and right. they do not come through on any particular uh, frequency. They're there, right? But they're but you know, so it's really I wanted to see if you experienced that too. Like they're on a total different frequency frequency realm. That, yeah, you know, it, it's ours, almost it, it's almost as though they're they're hidden in there somewhere. Yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, but I, I, I can spot the wave signs. And what, what is funny is sometimes I'll play it back five times and I'll hear it three times. <laughs> <laughs> and other times will be all, always. And we hate, I'll, I'll slow it down and I'll increase the volume and stuff. But beyond that, we don't like to use filters or anything like that because we think that uh, uh, contamination. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. It ain't a pure EVP. And I don't right. believe of alternating right anything the only thing yeah. that i that i do personally is like i'll put like a uh like a high and low pass filter on just to get rid of like rumble and stuff you know that's below a certain hertz oh, range well, yeah that white noise you know, just ambient sound yeah, and, you know, getting you, rid of some of the white noise yeah just to really yeah. help the evp itself come through you know mm-hmm. right and and one thing we do is that uh we will only accept like class a evps okay if yeah. I have to tell someone to listen to it more than once before they hear it, then it's not an EVP. It's it's right. audio par- it's mm-hmm. audio pareidolia, and uh, I, I get a lot of that. <laughs> we get a lot of that. Yeah, too. yeah we do too. <laughs> I got, got to share a story with you. I got to share a story with you. I'm sitting up here in my office, which is where I am where I am right now, and it's it's it's, it's daytime. It's like in the morning, and I'm working on a computer, and I hear rap rap. And I said, oh, damn it. Something followed me home from the last investigation. So I said, <laughs> rap, rap. I said, okay, okay, I'll, I'll converse with you. One rap means yes, two raps mean no. You got that? You're, rap, rap, rap. I said, don't mess with me. <laughs> so now, then I get it going. I'm carrying on a conversation for like 45 minutes. With rap, oh, rap, 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 rap. My son comes home. He comes up the steps up to my office. He, hey, Dad. I said, what? He said, you know what? There's a woodpecker right above the window in your office. <laughs> <laughs> Woody <funny>. got you. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> hey, well, and I have a question. Yeah. Yeah, you can laugh at I'm... yourself, too. Because, yes, oh, like, yeah. I've had that stuff. Yeah. Oh, have you ever, thing, so, have some, you ever done on an investigation? Video, my eyes start crossing. Have you ever been on an investigation where your psychic wouldn't let you go in? Would not let me go in. Yeah, well, no. not investigate it because it was. It she just didn't feel right about it. Uh yes. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think where that was. Would have. Uh, oh boy, I, I, I. It was a place done in Manesson. Uh, oh, right down the street from me. Nice. And we, we were going in there, and we're going to do an investigation, and uh, it just just stopped dead in her tracks. There. Uh, couple murders that occurred in there mm. and she just couldn't handle the uh the the negative energy and we didn't go in wow. yeah wow. that's Smart what it was. it was it was it was just pure negative energy is what it was uh, nothing okay. as far as a uh, malevolent spirit or anything like that when we encounter something that we think might be like involved with a demon or demonology we just get the hell out of there that's not what we we don't know how to handle them but we do have friends who can, Smart. and we, we, we refer them to those people. 
especially we have a couple of Native American shamans that we know, and they are very experienced at getting uh, at exercising demons. Oh, and they're, and also, also it's not like TV. Demons are rare. They're very yeah. rare. Uh, in the last 15 years, maybe I've encountered maybe two. It's not well, like good. TV where every time you hear something fall down the steps, you jump and say, hey, it's a demon. Yeah. yeah. Dude, what was I agree that? with you, Ed. I agree with you 100%. 100%. Another thing you know, that I try to tell people my, is spirits are nothing to be afraid of because all they are is people. That's, that's all exactly. they are. Exactly. The, yeah. Exactly. The same age, yes. Yeah. yeah the, the body has died and the essence lives on. And uh, mm-hmm. you, you treat them with respect. And you'll get yes. good results. Uh, I only You're had one book. case. I only, I only had one case. I had to be confrontational, and it was because a uh, a spirit was terrorizing a four year old kid. And, oh, uh, that's not cool. That's not it, was a, it was that's a spirit of a nasty cool. old man. He would just like like jump out of the closet. The kid going boo, all <laughs> kind of stuff like that. And, uh, that's not <laughs> nice. That's not nice. So we uh, we we cleanse that house big time. <laughs> So have you ever had, I got to ask you this because I've, I've experienced this myself. So I want to ask you this. Have you ever had like a spirit run up on you where you heard it, your cameras picked up its noise (laughs) and it scared the bejesus out of you. Yeah. But, and then it was gone. Um, Have you ever had that happen? I've had it happen, but it didn't scare me. Oh my God. Um, just this past weekend, uh, uh, we were doing an investigation and, and a spirit just like run up and just brushed past me walking, get trying to get out of a room. And all I just, all I did was say, well, excuse me, you know, and, uh, <laughs> tell but, them your uh, story, I, Jason. I, I have no fear of, of the spirits because they're, they're just people. And another thing I have, I have to remember is all they are is basically their energy and they can't do anything unless they absorb energy to, to build up a storehouse of energy to even make themselves known because they have no energy of their own. That's why you find them run, uh, you know, power plants uh, along railroad tracks really? you know, where, where there is energy along yeah, river, rivers lines. and streams. Yeah. Any power place lines. where there's lots of energy. Why? But why? Just because they're sucking the energy or what? Yeah. The EMF yeah. that's emitted from like the power <laughs> yes. lines and everything is just. Right. Yeah. They, they, absorb, they, they absorb the energy when, when they get enough energy, then they can make themselves known. Sometimes with yep. uh, you know, voice, uh, some partial apparitions, apparitions, you know, mist, <laughs> this kind of stuff, depending <laughs> on how much energy they, they get. Uh, if, you, if you looked in the, uh, the Route 30 book, uh, I have a picture in the Route 30 book of uh, a spirit here down in Ligonier. Full body, full color apparition. Really interesting. And we, we, tra- we tracked him down and found out who he was and everything. Too. Did and, you get uh, evidence on a camera? Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, I have I have a couple copies. A friend of mine took the picture, and uh, they have a, a large version of that picture on display down at the uh, tavern because it was a spirit of a former customer. He used to come in every day around four o'clock for a shot and a beer, watch the news, and go home. And the picture was taken six years after he died, and it just shows he's up there at at the bar, you know, with a cigar in his hand, and wow. it's plain as day. Um, I do have a question of well, not a question. I want to know how did you get into the haunted churches and cemeteries? Did you well, not write a book on? How did I know that question was yes, coming? Yes, I wrote a book on Pennsylvania haunted churches and cemeteries. Okay. Yes. Cemeteries yes. are no problem. You just go in there. Uh, and here's the thing. Right. 
I don't, I'm not crawling around a cemetery at night. The spirits are there 24 hours a day. You know, you don't have to be there, you know, at night. You know, the only thing night does is give you a little bit of solitude and spookiness. You, know, you get the spooky factor. But mm-hmm. uh, the funny thing is the first three cemeteries I investigated weren't even haunted. They very had a, a history of being haunted, but they weren't. And uh, so I, I like debunk them. Yeah, there it is there. Uh, but uh, there, most of the uh, residents of the cemetery, they're at peace. That's a peaceful place for them. Usually spirits will haunt a place where there's some kind of trauma or an important event in their life takes place. But like I say, and, and as far as uh, uh, investigating the churches, uh, I was very circumspect about that. Some of the places I actually got permission. Other places I, I went in without permission. Okay. And the uh, same thing with the cemeteries. I didn't ask anybody's permission to go to a cemetery because as far as I'm concerned, you know, cemetery is a public place. As long as you're respectful, you're okay. You know, and it's and easier that's, that's to ask idea, for being uh, respectful. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission too, right? What? <laughs> it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Oh yeah, time. yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. Yeah. Hey, so that, I have, so I got one for I you. I want to see what your thoughts are on this. Um, you know, when it comes to spirits, you know, what's your thoughts on why some spirits like stick around as compared to like heading to uh, heaven or hell per se? You know, like okay, why? Do you th- well, what's your thoughts on that? Well. Way way I feel about this is in uh, that spirits are will be on this side uh, without crossing over. They usually have some sort of a reason for it. Lots of times, it's they have a message they need to deliver, or they have unfinished business on this side. Um, Cases involving murder, uh, pretty common with that. A spirit will stay back on this side and and keep nudging people to get the murder solved. Excuse me. Uh, Other ones. Uh, the spirit has to have a message delivered. And then sometimes they die so fast, they don't know they're dead. Right. And they're, they're like, they're like just there and they don't even know they're dead. And sometimes they're held on this side. Um, we, um, I, I don't know if uh, my good friend, Patsy Wilson. Okay. Uh, she, uh, she was a founder of the ghost research foundation. Um, that, that was, you know, that lasts like 25 years. Uh, we did an investigation at a cavern where uh, we found the spirits of young children that were actually captured against, you know, at, at, at their funerals. A guy was capturing them, using them for life force or something. I don't know. But we were able to get those kids crossed over and we were able to trap the, uh, the, the renegade spirit. And as a matter of fact, he's permanently trapped. He's up there inside the tavern, the cavern, and the cavern is now sealed. So he's going to be there for a while. Uh, uh, so they're held against their will uh, one of my uh, favorite stories is in uh, my paranormal PA book uh, it's called Rosie and Mac Mac was a truck driver and he, he died and his spirit after he was dead his spirit called his wife on the phone and she didn't know he was dead yet she hadn't been notified of the truck accident yet this, is, this oh, goes geez. back to like the 1930s or early 40s and he called her on the phone and he told her how he wanted his funeral to be. And she said, why are you telling me this and everything? And then he told her, he says, upstairs in a bedroom, the dresser drawer. If you pull the drawer out, taped to the underneath side of the drawer is my insurance papers. 
you'll get enough money there, you'll be able to keep the farm. And uh, that's what she did. And when she went up there, she found that. And it was later on that day, the sheriff got in touch with her and told her that he'd been in an accident uh, the previous night and, and died. And so he's delivering a message. That's a, a very important message. And, and of course, and, and Rosie, she was like 19 at the time with two kids, and she lived to be 92 and never remarried. Oh, my. Oh, that's that's something. Um, just a, a little spare second here. Um, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Carnation, for sponsoring our show tonight. Um you know, Jason, what it's like when we do them long nighters where we oh, need yeah. coffee. Lots of coffee. You know? oh, lots, yeah. lots of coffee. And, yeah, you uh, can always get these uh, breakfast. <laughs> carnation, instant carnations, man. They're yeah, good. That's right. These are really good. Yeah. You've got a packet and you just put and them milk. in your drink. I got some milk here. Mm-hmm. And I'll show you. you just Chasey Prophecy goes cooking class. There's a, only 150 <laughs> calories in these, and you just put it in, and you just get to whip it up. It's loaded with. It's loaded. It's a. These are start lights. So if you could see it, oh, it's kind of messed up. Uh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. The chocolate or vanilla. Oh, I got the chocolate, and I'm gonna whip it up right now. <laughs> whip it, whip it good. Do, do, do. I got one of these fancy whippers. I got some hey, you there. got the sunglasses. Whipping with too. Jenny. <laughs> ah, there you are. These are really yeah, good. You're if you're, these are the light ones. So if you're on a, you know, trying to watch those calories. Is there any froth? Mm. <laughs> yes, I wish you could see. It is so really that, good. Is that that instant, uh, is that that instant breakfast a, drink? Yeah, it's it's the light start awesome. carnation, and it's like it's it's loaded with um, vitamins, and you can also. How much also, you got a whisk it? I like it. I like a lot of frost. Just myself. He just walked oh, right into that one. Oh, you're all yeah. frothy now. Mm. Mm. They're real, it's really good for, especially it's 150 calories, and you. I use almond milk. Because I don't like Ew, that's gross. <laughs> I don't like almond regular milk. milk. No almond milk yeah. is unsweetened with the uh, carnation. Did you ever see the milk and almond? It's crazy. Isn't it, got isn't it kind of like tedious cup. to get the milk out of the almonds? Mm, I got spike uh, and a little I, whiskey. You got to use anything almond. I'm not. It doesn't taste like almond. It doesn't taste like when you put it in here, it just tastes like milk. It doesn't, okay. but it's real. It's really good. But thanks, Carnation, for uh, sponsoring our sure, second right. hour, and we'll mention it again in the like halfway through and at the end. Sean, that's your job at the end. Okay, cheers. Enjoy frothy. <laughs> oh, frothy. Although it's making my nose run, so I don't know. You better go catch it then. Jeez, <laughs> it's really good. You could do ASMR too with it. Why do you whisper? I was saying ASMR, carnation. So nobody could hear us on the live radio. You got to whisper. Yes. So, Ed, <laughs> no. out of all your 300 investigations that you have done, what was your best one ever? Ooh, let me see. Oh, this is going to be good. My I best one or my most interesting one? or what, you know, No, your very, is- very best one that you that you just cherish for the till now like it 
Well, I want to hear about his interesting one too. I'd like to hear like yeah. his top three. Like I'd his like top to hear three. The best one too. Best, yeah, interest, most three. interesting, yeah. and most scary. Well, yeah, yeah, my uh, we can do that. My most satisfying one it was getting that spirit out of that house where he was terrorizing a little boy. Okay, mm-hmm. that okay. was my most satisfying one, and uh, I, I could and, agree with that. We had to go. We had to go back to that house three times because the son of a gun kept hiding from us and. We didn't know it was a farm, it was an old farmhouse. We didn't know that there was a hidden room in the house. And the third Ooh. time we got back there, we found the hidden room, and that's where this this, this guy's this nasty old spirit was uh, was hiding from us because uh, mm-hmm. we we were loaded for bear. And I have I have some very close friends that are that are Wiccans, okay, and so I I get material off of them too. That, uh, and I, I went in there. I, we we had sage, we had peace water, we had sage water. We had tar water. Uh, we we just uh, I, we also had holy water, and we went in there and we we got that guy out and we finally got him out. But it, it was it was so it was so nice because the little boy wouldn't even sleep in the house, and then when when we cleared that house, he went to his, his mom and dad. He says he says he says mommy or daddy, it's so nice in there now, you know, and and it just made us feel good. That that was a good one, and that was fairly recent. I think that was about a year or two ago. <clears throat> and then, uh, like I said, I, my, my most interesting ones is working there at the, uh, the railroad museum. Uh, but, uh, I, we, we like to do it in a way that we're, we feel, we feel we're helping people. And we recently had one that was really complicated and I was <clears throat> glad to get done with it. It, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, involved, I'm going to have to hold. Oh. It involved a uh, a house that was kind of historic, okay, and the house was built on a retreat path of a uh, Revolutionary War battle and a French and Indian War battle. You know, no, French and Indian War, not Revolutionary. French and Indian War battle. There was spirits all over the place, but the problem they were having was uh, there was a, a spirit that uh, was kind of a shape changer. It wasn't, wasn't like it was, it was just appearing as different things. It would appear as a, uh, yeah, it would appear as a human being with a dog's head and it would do things like crawling up the walls and stuff. Oh, jeez. We went back, we went to that house and I'm not kidding you. We, we cleared that place out. It was unbelievable. Uh, We, we, I, I got some, uh, video of shadow figures in there of a, um, you know, the punching bag, the, the big bag, the heavy bag that they punch, the heavy bag. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I got a, I got a video, I got a video of one of those just swinging them by its, its own. It's getting hit and swinging and there's nobody there. Uh, also I have on video, a, a, a child's, uh, rocking horse and a voice is coming out of the rocking horse saying, get out, get out. Oh, see you later. Ooh, I'm and, out. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, basically, that's you know what happened. Not to us. That scared them. And right. uh, so, so we go in here and we completely cleanse that house. Then we go outside the house and we cleanse an area around the house to prevent anybody anything from coming in because there was a portal outside the house. And so we we cleanse there to, to keep from coming in through that portal. And everything was all hunky dory and everybody was happy and everything else. A week later, we get a call. They're back. 
Mm. We go back there and we do it all over again. Then we get called back a third time. And the third time we get called back is when we learned that the two women in the house, the one in particular, was dabbling in witchcraft. Ooh. Oh. And she was, yeah. she was, but she wasn't trained. She was what they call a dabbler. She wasn't oh. trained. And so mm. instead of practicing, you know, like we call white magic or black magic, what was happening with her is she was, it was chaotic magic. Because she didn't, mm. you know, you had no idea how those spells were going to turn out, what the results were going to be. And half the no, time, they would be this. bad. <clears throat> so in order to do wow. that one, I had to call in two of my friends who are witches. They're, they're fairly high up in the Wiccan religion. Uh, one is, uh, lives up in uh, Hermitage, PA, up near Sharon. Her name is Sibel. Another one lives in the South Hills of Pittsburgh. Her name is Marita. And okay. I had to call those two in because that was beyond me. I, I couldn't figure out. There's nothing. We're, we're doing everything right. Then we find out that what we're doing is getting undone. Mm. So those two came in and they put up spell blockers and all kinds of stuff that, that you know, that they do and uh, cleanse the house and everything. And the one who was practicing the, the witchcraft was the nanny of the house. We had to go down to oh, the geez. nanny's house and clear that one out too. And down at that house, we find, I'm not kidding you. This number sounds astronomical, but I'm not kidding you. We found 14 portals that she had opened in that house. Oh, hello. In that house was Whoa. a portal. Holy crap, man. Dang. And it was exhausting. Lord. And then finally, uh, the, the two friends of mine who were witches, they told, they told us, we're not going to do this unless you allow us to put a spell of binding on you. <clears throat> and a spell of binding means that she could no, no longer ever in her lifetime be able to do any kind of witchcraft. Wow. And she said, okay, so they did. They cast a spell of binding. It took them 48 hours to cast that spell. It's a complicated spell. When they did, that woman could no longer practice any kind of witchcraft at all. And two days later, she called back one to be unbound. And I told told Marie, I said, well, just tell her she's unbound. But don't unbind her. And then we told her, when we found out about this witchcraft, because Beverly, as soon as Beverly found out that there, that was going on, she refused to go back to that house at all. She wouldn't go back. She can't stand. I being don't blame her. her. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame her. I don't think I would either. And, and it was, uh, it was, it was interesting, and uh, it was, it was, it got a little strange, a little weird. Hey Ed, and we like have I a say, <clears throat> we have a question from. I'm not for sure how to pronounce this. Tava. Look, I look. I got to help her. Tavia. Um. That's a beautiful kitty. kitty. Uh, she said, with your experience with the paranormal, if when you do, you persist in this purgatory, what would you do as a ghost to communicate most efficiently with future investigators? Or would you not want to react? It would depend. I, yes. Yes. It would depend. I probably wouldn't want to uh, interact with investigators unless I, Knew them and oh. knew who they were and what they were up oh, wow. to. I'm, I'm not not into the ghost hunting crowd, and uh, <laughs> you know the Ghostbusters, that kind of stuff. I'm not into that. <laughs> I'm probably, I got a list. I got a list that long. Who I'm going to hunt? Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, she also says if you were locked in a singular dungeon room your entire mm-hmm. life and led to believe that 
was the entire world, regardless of what exists outside of it, you would not attempt to leave because as far as you're concerned, this is all there is to see. So would you stay there? Well, she kind of answered her own question. Or stay here. (laughs) That sounds like some awesome song lyrics. Yeah, you mean mean after after you died, would your spirit stay there? I guess that's what she's asking. I imagine after. Imagine after the body died, if the spirit lived lived on and the spirit was capable of leaving that room, you know, us human beings, we are the most curious people in the world. We're we're always trying to figure out stuff. So you obviously you want to know what the hell's on the other side of that door. And if you were in a spiritual condition, you were able to pass through that door. I'd probably probably give it a shot. Again, she also she never also, know it's on the other side. She said, "Here, yeah." Here's an interesting thought, she says. What if the spirit is stuck here because they simply don't believe and therefore cannot see any other route? What if to them there is no heaven or hell or even mm-hmm. some other place, ascension or in dimensional travel, re- reincarnation, whatever it may be? What if their belief defines where they end up? Well, Yeah. Whatever turns them on, I don't know. That's, that's, <laughs> I, I, I have, I have no, I, you know, I don't have an answer for that. I don't have an answer for that uh, um, because I, you know, a, every civilization going all the way back to cavemen had a concept of an afterlife. Yeah, there's a concept of an afterlife. Uh, we we call it that you know the, the Greeks call it the Elysian Fields. They call it, and the, the bad guys went to Hades, and uh, uh, <clears throat> the Norse call it the Valhalla, and Christians call it heaven. And you know it's, it's, it's you know every major religion has some kind of a concept of an afterlife, and civilizations are the same way. Look look at all the aggravation the Egyptians put themselves through so they could live on. I know. Afterlife. Think about it. They, they were yeah, convinced they were taking that stuff with them too. Um, oh, there was yeah. a movie with um, Robin Williams. Do you, do you guys know what it was? Um, where this man um, believed when he died, he went to see his wife, and uh, I guess it would be heaven or the afterlife. It's yeah. a really deep movie, but I can't remember the name of it. I can't think no, of it either. I can't it either. was it was it was really no. bizarre. I guess I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, and, uh, but, whatever you, know, you perceive I, uh, it is. You know, it's like uh, if some guy pulls a gun on me, cocks it, and is ready to pull the trigger, and I tell him I don't believe in that gun, so you can't shoot me. I mean, <laughs> it's a, okay. Yeah, that, that's that's the only you know analogy I could give that. Uh, it's like just just because you don't believe in something doesn't make it not be there. It's got, yeah, that's true. I can understand that. Okay, uh, Ed. Okay, your other book, uh, The Haunted Railroads. Now we talked about the museum. What yeah. what do you believe is the most haunted railroad, and why would it be haunted? Um, geez, it's uh the most the most massive haunt along railroads is Duffy Duffy's Cut down in Malvern, PA. Okay, that is uh, outside Philadelphia. It's part of the Philadelphia Main Line, the old Pennsylvania Railroad. In eighteen thirty two, they were laying rails from philadelphia to harrisburg and where today's where malvern there was a large hill there that had to be cut through to lay this, this track 
Now, when they were doing this, they didn't have locomotives yet. <clears throat> the rail cars were being pulled by horses. So, you know, they, they couldn't have lots of grades or anything. And very shortly afterwards, they were able to get the small engines and stuff. However, a fellow by name McDuffie goes over to Ireland and he gets 57 Irishmen, uh, 56 Irishmen and one Irish woman. Catherine Burns was the Irish woman. She was 27. And he brought them over here, promising them a new life. And what they got for their promise is they got like six weeks in a rat and roach infested ship. They brought them down and dumped them on a docks, docks in Philadelphia. And it worked their way out there. And they lived in a uh, like a little tent village while they were doing this stuff. And it was miserable work because it was, it was oil shale and uh, sticky and everything else. And they were doing this by hand. They had to cut right through the hillside to lay the rail tracks. Well, it was 1832. It was the same time what was going on was the, in Philadelphia was the, the religion wars plus cholera epidemic. Okay. The religion wars was that the, uh, don't forget, these guys come from Ireland. They're all Catholics. Okay. So the, the non-Catholics in the air in, in uh, Philadelphia, they were, they were burning down Catholic churches and vice versa and stuff like that. And this was going on at that same time. And then a cholera epidemic came in. Well, two of these people got sick. So they, they people around here immediately thought it was a cholera outbreak. And the first two that got sick, when they died, they buried them under the blacksmith shop because they figured the graves would be disturbed. Well, their neighbors around that area where they were doing the digging, uh, cut, building the cut through came over and massacred them. They killed every all, all 57 of them. They didn't even waste bullets on them. Most of them got killed with pickaxes to the head and stuff like that. And this was covered up by the Pennsylvania Railroad because they had to go get more guys to make that cut come through. And starting about 10 years after that, their spirits started showing up around the area. And they were uh, they would show up. They'd be, um, you know, moaning and singing. Some of them would actually be dancing and it'd be like as if it was a party and this kind of stuff. Then you move forward to about, oh, 18, I think it was around 1880, which is about 50 years later. Someone put a, a memorial made out of wood there, memorialized, and they said that they died of cholera. It was a cholera outbreak, and they, they said it was a mass cholera outbreak that killed them. Then in the 19-teens, that wooden thing had rotted away, and they put a concrete one. And the thing is, where they put it wasn't where the... Uh, the bodies were anyhow. So time goes by, and all this was covered up by the railroads. Well, there's two uh, doctors from Immaculata College College out east. I forget their names now. One was a doctor of divinity. One was a doctor of archaeology. Their grandfather was a vice president of the Pennsylvania Railroad. And when he retired, he took all the papers about these cut massacre, and he had them up in his house. So when they were going through his papers, they found this stuff, and they found that they had that the railroad knew that these people had been massacred. So what they did, they made like their life work to find out about this, and they went down there and started doing archaeological digs along that railroad track, and that started in uh, 2009, I think it was. By 2013, they had uh, come across the remains of like six bodies. And those six bodies all showed evidence of being murdered. Their, their skulls were crushed with, with uh, you know, uh, like a, a pickaxe blade 
and they were able to identify with DNA two of the bodies. And Catherine Burns, one of the bodies was identified. Tommy something was the other guy. I forget his name. Those two bodies got repatriated to Ireland and they had a full funeral for them in Ireland. In the meantime, they had the remains, partial remains, about six more bodies. They were keeping them in uh, uh, metal boxes in the archaeological department. And then Amtrak withdrew permission for them to do any more digging. And they had to go to court. They had spent three years in court before uh, they got permission to resume the digging. In the meantime, these bodies, these partial bones and stuff they had in storage would be rattling and stuff flying off the shelves and everything as though they're saying, don't forget us. And a, uh, another, some, uh, I believe a Lutheran cemetery in the area donated ground. Those bodies now that they find, the partial bodies and stuff, they, they're, they're sealed in metal containers and are buried in a Lutheran uh, cemetery out east until they can get DNA matches with them. Once they get DNA matches with them, then they'll take those bodies and repatriate them to Ireland. But these spirits have been haunting that place. You know, we're talking, you know, uh, you know, almost five dozen spirits, 57 people. <clears throat> Their spirits been haunting that place ever since until the guy started doing the digging. And then things settled down. And the funny thing is that that's a subdivision, uh, a upper class subdivision outside of Philadelphia. And these people spent a lot of money for homes and they wind up with spirits. And, and they, they appear in a shade of blue for some reason, but peering in their windows and stuff. And uh, and now they also uh, there's a newspaper article about uh, in 19 I think around 1912 1913 newspaper article says they appear outside the houses singing and dancing as if they're in a party, and that's probably the most haunted, you know, single most haunted place along there. Uh, there's okay. other places throughout Pennsylvania too that uh, are uh, a couple I was able to debunk, okay, which is satisfying too. Uh, up north near uh, uh, Waynesboro, PA, Waynesburg, Waynesboro, whatever. Uh, uh, I forget the name of the town. It's in the book. Anyhow, they have a, a tradition, a railroad crossing. And they said back a long time ago, a school bus stalled on a railroad crossing. And so the driver got the kids out and they're pushing the bus off the railroad crossing. And a train came and killed everybody, Don't which would have been unfortunate. That would have been unfortunate if it was true. Uh, but so the thing is now you're supposed to go up there. You know, if, if you have to jump through hoops to see a ghost or see a spirit, it's not for real. Okay. You're supposed to go up there now, uh, midnight on a new moon when there's no moon, when it's dark, stop on the railroad crossing, turn your lights off, turn your engine off, put your car in neutral and the spirits of little kids will push you off the railroad crossing. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Do that. It's, it, We'll do that, it's, Jason. It's, we'll do that. Yeah, it, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and what it is, is uh, I researched, okay, since school buses were very first built, there has only been one accident involving a school bus in Pennsylvania where there was any kind of an injury or fatality, and that was in West Newton. Uh, nothing okay, out yeah, east where this was. Hmm. And there's another place in, in, in Pennsylvania that had the same kind of tradition. It didn't happen. The uh, only place where a school bus got hit and there was massive um, death that happened in Texas, and that was uh, a long time ago. But I, I, you know, I find these things, you know, they're interesting when, when you're able to debunk them like that. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, a, a number, number of other ones. Uh, 
railroading was a very, very dangerous occupation. That's why there, there's a number associated with railroads. Um, if you were a, a railroad worker for the Pennsylvania Railroad between 1890 and 1920, you had a better chance of being killed or injured than if you were an infantryman in the First World War. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. They, they were losing, literally dying, accidents and stuff like on a railroad, thousands of people a year. Jeez. Yeah, a um, year. Due to, due to what? Like work accidents on railroad. What? You had probably to, like what collisions off. and stuff, like not uh collisions being brushed off the trains, being caught between trains. Uh the the brakeman was the most dangerous job on a railroad. They had that wheel up on top. You had to turn the wheel and run across the uh the top of the cars to the next one, turn the wheel, and yet keep repeating that to slow the train down. Oh and, my uh, goodness. Uh Westinghouse oh, invented the A brake and uh, the air brake, I believe it was eighteen sixty-seven or sixty-eight. It didn't become mandatory until 1910. <laughs> what about the bank robbery, like the robberies on the um the trains? Oh well, the last the last major uh, train robbery in the United States happened in Pennsylvania. Okay, there's no ghost associated with this, but no. I just find it interesting. Yeah, I just find I it interesting be because a ghost. It, yeah, but I find it interesting because it was local. Yeah, it's up 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 here. Uh, uh, near Ebensburg, Pennsylvania, uh, you know, east of Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, matter of fact, along the Ghost Town Trail, which is a uh, rails to trail bike bike trail. Hmm. And uh, it was 1927. Um, they, they robbed a train, and uh, it was called the Balsano Train Robbery. And they got 20 some thousand dollars of a, uh, uh, I think it was a mine payroll. And they killed a couple people in the process. And they all got caught, like, because they were dumb. They all got caught like within uh, a week or two after robbery and they all got executed. But it was the last, mm -hmm. I, I find it interesting because it was the last major train robbery in the United States. Hey, Ed, tell us about your experience in the prison where they made the movie. Um, what was that called? Oh, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Redemption. Oh, yes. That's, that's a good story. Yeah, we were down there for, uh, uh, let's see, the Parasitecon. Um, which is a three-day uh, paranormal conference at the Mansfield uh, Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio. And uh, have you guys ever been there? Yep. No. Nope. Oh, you have. Yeah. Well, it's it's a as you as you come around the bend and you see it, it's a beautiful place. It it looks like a castle. It's beautiful. It's nasty for the people that had to be in there. Uh, <laughs> it, the after it was 18, 1892 or something like that when it opened. They had the one wing built, and the second wing was built by the printer, prisoners themselves. That was their job. They built the second wing of, of the prison. And uh, I, uh, I was down there with uh, a member of my team, Nancy, and uh, I was down there huckstering my books. I had my tables up to sell my books and stuff, and we did a tour of the museum, a tour of the prison on the, on a Friday night. And we came down going through that place. It, it's just awesome. I mean, you have to see it. They have, uh, they have an electric chair there called Old Sparky. I guess that's a pretty common name for electric chairs. And uh, <laughs> it was not from uh, – nobody was ever executed at the uh, um, Mansfield no. Prison, okay? <clears throat> the electric chair is from the Columbus, Ohio prison. And 320 people were executed in that, including mm. eight women. Yeah. Oh, wow. And Yeah, and it goes back a ways. But um, 
anyhow, we're doing a tour of the place and we wound up down in the old solitary confinement area. And we were sitting inside a solitary confinement. We had a, uh, a K2 session with the spirit from down there. It was fantastic. Uh, just conversing back and forth with him. We attempted to cross him over. We don't know if we were successful or not, but we, we tried to cross him over. Uh, it was it just, if you ever get a chance to go down there, you know, it be just beside, we, we had a lot of paranormal activity in that place when we went through that museum, just a lot of paranormal activity. But the history itself is really something else, too. And, of course, while we were there, I stayed in a motel from hell, but I'm not going to mention it because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. No, exciting. Were you going to say, Sean? Yeah, I have a question, and this will probably be my last one for the evening. Maybe. You have a while okay. to go, buddy. <laughs> Ed, um, do you believe in paranormal unity? What is that? What do you mean by paranormal unity? Instead of, you know, bashing other paranormal groups, accept the other paranormal groups and work with other paranormal groups to find answers. That people yes. seek. Yes, I Thank believe you. in a paranormal unity. I will not, however, work with a group who thinks they have the only answer. Okay. Okay. They, I, just just because somebody uses different investigative techniques than I than I use, doesn't mean mm -hmm. that they're using wrong investigative techniques. They're you're using a technique that works for them. Okay. But if if mm -hmm. they if they think they have found the answer, then no, okay. I'm not going to work with them. Do you think, um, hey, uh, I was thinking, how about my group and your group do a joint investigation somewhere sometime? Yeah, sure. The only, here's the thing, though. With, with my group, okay, we don't do commercial stuff. In other words, if we have to pay to be somewhere, we're not going there. Okay. Oh, I, we, we, yeah. That's, you know, like uh, various asylums and stuff like that that, you know, we don't do that. Uh, I, we did the tour down there at the uh, the Mansfield Reformatory because it was it was part of the, uh, the, the 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 conference we were at, and we weren't actually there to do an investigation. We just happened to have a K two meter with us, and we and we used it. Uh, uh -huh. But I don't like to go into places that are that they're I call uh, commercialized uh, ghost hunting places. Uh, well, been in well, there's a there's a place down in Ohio. There's a place in Ohio called Prospect Place, okay? And what it was is this old mansion built in the early 1900s. And actually, the family who owned it worked with the railroads down there. Um, okay. But what they do, and this is a lot of reason why I like to go down there, is because the money that you pay to go through there, they actually put the money into the building. They they don't make no money going. off it. They keep it going. Well, and the last time we were down there, Jason, them rooms look really, really nice. Like, they oh, okay. that's, that's well, been a couple of years now. One place, yeah. one place, I won't mention it, okay, charges people 50 to $100 to go there and do paranormal investigations at night. And they are cautioned mm -hmm. before they do it not to, not to attempt to help the spirits cross over. So to me, yeah, that, that's holding – to me, that's holding – the spirit you're holding them hostage for entertainment purposes, and so that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I don't. Isn't I don't that like, like the Blair House? And don't they do that? I'm I'm not going to say where where it was. It's in Pennsylvania, though. I just you know, but uh -huh. that's I don't I don't. Uh, 
And another thing is that uh, what, what I like is uh, some of these ghost walks and stuff. And I, I tell people that uh, if you go on one of these ghost walks, you're almost guaranteed not to see a ghost. And, but you will be told where they are, where they have been sighted. And the reason I say that is if it's an active haunting, an intelligent haunting, and just picture me, okay? Say I, I died a couple of years back, and now I'm haunting this house, and people they're, they're going to bring people around here because I'm haunting the house. And how would you feel if someone's bringing 20, 30 strangers into your house three or four times and they want you to perform for them? <laughs> Yeah. That, yeah, that's, that's pretty valid. much yeah. that's pretty much why on these ghost walks, you know, you usually don't get you don't you won't interact with any kind of a spirit. But the good thing about them is they show you where they are, you know, and where they have been sighted like that. And I've I've been on a number of them. I enjoy them. I enjoy them, but I know that I'm not going to see any ghosts. And mm-hmm. you know, especially mm-hmm. up in Gettysburg, you know, I, you know, a couple of friends of mine run ghost walks up there, and I enjoy them, but I know I'm not going to see a ghost. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I'm looking forward to Gettysburg. Actually, I've yeah, never been there. Too. Oh, you've been there, Jason. Yeah, I've going. been there many, 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 many times. That's my I, home away I from get, home. I get to Gettysburg on the average about twice a month, all year round. Uh, matter of yeah, fact, I'll be in Gettysburg tomorrow. I'm, <clears> I'm going to Strasburg to the Strasburg Railroad, and then over to the Railroad Museum of Pennsylvania. On the way back. I'll be stopping. I have outlets in Gettysburg. You know, they stock my books and stuff like that. And I'll be back there. Maybe we'll see and, in Gettysburg uh, uh, the yeah. end of September. If you're there. Yeah, we're, so we're going. Didn't you write a book on Gettysburg? Uh, no, I didn't write a book okay. on Gettysburg. Uh, a buddy of mine, Mark Nesbitt, is up to the eighth book. On, okay, Mark. Yeah, he, okay. We had and him on so the I show. Don't, yeah, and he, you know, he sells my books in his place up here on uh, Baltimore Street. But, uh, I know where he's at. Yeah. Now, when yeah. you're up in Gettysburg, do you ever go bomb by the Lincoln train station? Or did you, uh, do you say that? Investigating I'm, down I'm there? going to be there tomorrow. Oh, you are? Cool. Cool. Yeah. You, you mean the, that's the, really, the, the, that's the, a haunted area. Very haunted. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and then you got the Lincoln Diner, too. That's pretty haunted, too. Mm hmm. But what I'll be here tomorrow is that they what they call the Lincoln Train Museum, train station museum. Is that what you're talking about? Were you talking about yeah. the one on the other end of the town where it was the actual station that he came through? The actual station that Abraham Lincoln came okay. through. Okay. Okay. I know where you mean. Uh, no, I won't be there tomorrow. I'm going to be at the Lincoln Train Museum tomorrow. Okay. Stop hmm. by that station. You know, it's pretty And pretty, I'll, I'll be at one of my favorite places tomorrow, too, Mr. Red's. You ever Mr. Oh, Mr. Yeah. <laughs> if you like Mr. candy, Red's, that's the place to go. Mr. Red's Elephant Museum and Candy Emporium. Yep. And mm. I, I knew Mr. Red. He just died a couple of years ago. You, you know, the funny thing is, when I was out there, people would stop and think that I was Mr. Red because I look a lot like him until I <laughs> lost some weight. <laughs> uh-huh. they, they, ha- they sell uh, the old-time candies, you know, not what they you see everything. in the stores today. It's you, you can get candy cigarettes I there. I, I got them. You can get candy cigarettes yeah. candy there, Mr. Cigarettes. Ed's. And, yeah. yeah, and they also have uh, um, bacon Root beer candy. barrels. Yeah, yeah oh, yeah, all, all, all kinds of stuff. Wait a minute, I'll be right back. I want to show you something. <laughs> <laughs> I could go for some. <clears throat> I can go for some breakfast. Here you go. Here you go. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Here you go. Candy cigarettes. 
Oh my god. Oh, I remember damn. those. Oh, I remember wow. those when I when I was a kid would always walk around with them. Yeah. <laughs> I used to pretend I was smoking too with those. Those are good. So Ed, um, talk about let's talk when they're the last part of our show. Why don't you guys compare equipment that you use? Um, what do you find yes. to be the most useful and legitimate? Okay. Uh, what I use, uh, I have, uh, shoot my cases out in the car, but in, in my case, I have, uh, two digital voice recorders. I have two digital, uh, video recorders, one with, uh, infrared. I got my digital SLR, excuse me. And I have a, uh, spirit box 11, which I don't use. Okay. Uh, plus, uh, dowsing rods. And also K2 meter. That's pretty much what I have in, in, in my uh, in my kit. Uh, it, it works for me. It works for us. And uh, I, we don't tend to get too tech heavy because I am lucky enough to be working with some really good, talented psychics. And so uh, I, I, you know, I, I use my equipment that I, that I use to verify what they're doing, and which is which is great. Um, I have, uh, I got a friend up in, uh, Altoona, uh, John has a really cool name, John Cool, but, uh, <laughs> he has a, he has a camera rig that is like total spectrum. He, he's got, uh, the center camera is a, uh, you know, a, a high definition digital camera, okay, um, record, uh, video recorder. Okay. Then on one side is infrared. And the other side is ultraviolet. He likes has everything going on. It's really cool. Uh, not for me though. Hmm. It's, it's, it's not one of my things because I like to stick close working with a psychic, and we, and we work you know together, and we've, we've developed our, our methods over the years, and, and it really works for us. Sean, what do you think about? Yeah, what uh, do you guys that's, use? That's that's all, Jason. There, <laughs> I like to, I prefer the K two meter. And the digital yeah. voice recorder. That's all I need. But so, yeah, same are, here. So how same same here. I, what I do, I take that digital SLR and I hang it around my neck and I put it on uh, on video. And, and so it just records what I'm doing. And I get a lot of a lot of good results that way. Mm-hmm. Now how come you uh you said you don't use the uh SB eleven spirit box? Is there a reasoning behind that or you have yeah, thoughts? Yeah, like- the, the, the white noise that comes out of that box irritates me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Same here. The real loud. Same here. Okay. Now, I thought, uh, yeah, I don't like yeah. that. You know, you know, Cody, um, that was the tech man for uh, taps. Nah, not really. Personally, though. No. Okay. He, he was their techie. He did all, all the stuff. I, I was talking with him. Okay. And he told me how to eliminate the white noise. He says, you have to install a noise gate in the output of it. And a noise right. gate is is a an item that rock musicians use. Yep, okay. I got plenty of those. Yeah, and they, they plug it in their guitar. And uh, the thing is, I just never got around to doing it and trying it. That's all. What it does I do work. Like, what I do like about that SB11, though, is it has a, a temperature uh, monitor on it, and it is is pretty decent at finding cold spots. 
because you, you, it'll, it'll react when the temperature drops more. You can, you can set the sensitivity on it, and I set it so it'll react when the temperature drops more than 10 degrees. Hmm. And once, once again, just like with the K2 meter when you're, when you're working, it's, it's a tool mm-hmm. to give you that spirits may be there, but then you have to, it's just, it's just a tool and you have to go on beyond that then to interact right. with them. Right. Did you ever uh, use a REM pod at all? This seems to no, be but I've seen getting more popular. I've seen yeah. 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 And it's, uh, I, I don't know. It just, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's not something that uh, I was interested in. Just like recently, uh, well, I'll tell you one thing. We other things we do is we use ping pong balls and feathers for trigger items. Okay, That's and uh, but I, I saw someone recently had some damn thing that I call it Teddy Ruxpin. It's a teddy bear that uh, yeah, boo bear. Spirits come. Boo bear. I don't know. The spirits come close, and the bear talks or something. And I says, yeah, uh, I thought <laughs> it was a toy. <laughs> yeah, that, and they had, uh, I've seen some of those that are actually making those uh, those like teddy bears with like REM pod lights in them and stuff. So when something gets close, they light up different colors and stuff. Yeah, yeah that's, 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 that's kind of like what this thing was. It's I, I just thought it was a toy of some sort. I just, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. Right. How do you use the ping pong balls and the feathers? Um, as trigger items, we'll we'll set them, and uh, uh, this this works especially when you work with the spirits of kids okay you get mm-hmm. them to, to announce their presence by moving these things by okay. moving them and you got to set them in such a way that there's no breeze especially with the feathers no breeze or anything like that that's going to move them ping pong right. balls actually work better with red uh, cups yes it doesn't take dog. a lot of energy to move a ping pong and a ping pong <laughs> ball and a feather because they're light so right yeah that's that's the idea on, on trigger items and uh uh, sometimes people will use uh, little toy trucks and stuff. There's a, a place on Route 30 called the 1806 Antiques. Uh, we interact with uh, the spirits of two young children there using a, uh, a little toy truck. Hmm. And get them to roll it across the floor. Hey, Ed, have did you get a chance to go to Montessori Hospital before they tore it down on Route 30? Uh, yes. Yes. And... Uh, uh, I have a friend of mine that was a, a nurse that worked there, and you wouldn't believe the stories he was able to tell me. I, I was there when it was still safe to go through there. I did not put it in my Route 30 book because I was afraid if I did, people would start crawling around in there and get hurt. Yeah. It, it, was, it, it, was, it was dangerous. Uh, they had a, um, at one point, they, they used to keep the um, accident victims from accidents on route 30 they would keep them in that hospital that hospital had a morgue all hospitals have morgues but they have, have that keep them in that hospital's morgue until like a coroner could come pick it up or a funeral director could come pick them up and so there was uh, a lot of activity that way and there was also uh, around the maternity ward in there there was a lot of activity too any stories you want to share well <laughs> nothing i could verify not nothing mm-hmm. i was able to verify i mean i i like I said, a friend of mine was a nurse there, and he told me about uh, lots of times after the maternity ward had long been closed, uh, you could walk down a hall and you could still hear babies crying in there yeah. and, and things like that. Where was the that, that, would be, that would be a residual haunting, okay? Uh, and same thing down around the morgue, that, that you hear some activity down there. But uh, most hospitals will have some kind of residual haunting mm-hmm. in them. Uh, hospitals, prisons, uh, 
theaters, not, you know, were uh, live action theaters, you know, playhouses. Uh, mm-hmm. For some reason, these places uh, seem to attract it and they have uh, a lot of hauntings in them. I would have liked to have gone through that. I've heard a lot of stories around the family. A lot of just a lot of weird stuff happened. I oh yeah. Of, I wish yeah, there the was IRS a movie was about it though. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever had a spirit like attached and follow you home by chance? Yes, yes. Uh, Beverly and I were uh, we we'd done uh, like I say out there at the, at the railroad museum. We've done seven major investigations there. Okay. Oh my. One time coming home, we're riding in a car and all of a sudden I smell pipe tobacco. I don't smoke. And I said, Bev, I said, Bev, are you smoking a pipe? She says, Oh yeah, right. <laughs> she says, I smell it too. I. I so, so she turns around, she looks in the back seat, she says, Oh, we got a passenger. <laughs> oh, jeez. I said, Who is it? Yeah, you know, so uh, I'm already turning around. And she says, It's it's one of the old workers from the uh the uh railroad. He just wanted to ride along with us, see where we're going. Well, I said, Well, tell him we're going back to the museum. <laughs> and that's what we did. <laughs> we went back to the museum and then we uh we cleansed the car so we didn't have any anybody else following us home. I, I did also in uh, other investigations. I have had, um, I've gotten attacked by negativity, or something would follow me home, and mm. it would just uh, um, not uh, not dangerous, but uh, men- mentally straining. That uh, would uh, cause me mental stress. That uh, it would be like a like a neg- negative negative spirit or something would come and just you know be aggravating and then um, make me miserable, make me negative. And so I had to be careful with that sometimes because when it's happening, I don't realize it's happening. I'm, I'm being, I'm being an SOB biting people's head off and everything else. And I don't know why I'm doing it. And it's, so then we'll do, I'll, I'll do a, uh, uh, a white sage uh, smudge cleansing of myself. And uh, if that doesn't work, then I'll have Bev do it, you know, for me. And that, that usually works a lot. That's uh that's the thing you have to watch out for. Uh, mm-hmm. And another thing, what we've been uh, doing uh, since that fellow decided to follow us home from the railroad museum, what we have done now, anytime we finish up an investigation, we'll uh, uh, smudge ourselves with uh, not smudge, but I'll use a little bit of uh, sage water on myself and maybe squirt a little bit in the car. But uh, hmm. yeah, that's something we learned. Learn you learn along the way. Oh yes, that we. Never had anything uh, super nasty or anything like that follow us. That's good to know. Do you have any books in the making? Um, yes, I'm, I'm working on one now. Uh, uh, I've been working with um, two friends of mine, the spirit of a young girl named Amelia, who was murdered in uh, 1865. She was a black girl up in north, uh, uh, northwestern Pennsylvania. She was hung by a tree. Uh, oh. She was accused of doing she was accused of doing witchcraft and stuff like this. It was all a lie. Okay. Although she was capable of doing witchcraft. Been working with mm-hmm. her now two and a half years. And what she wanted, she came to a person. She wanted, uh, this is my friend, Sabelle. Sabelle has a store up there that she has uh, pagan supplies and witchcraft supplies and stuff like that in there. And uh, she found herself ordering ingredients, didn't know what the ingredients were that she was ordering. She researched it and found out they were ingredients for voodoo spells. Oh, jeez. Oh, finally got yeah. in touch with uh, the spirit of Amelia, 
And what Amelia wanted her and uh, another friend of hers to do was to curse the descendants of the guy oh, who hung God. her. Okay. And they like for her in no uncertain terms. You know, we don't do that kind of crap. You know, that doesn't, it's not going to happen. And so finally what she won, she won her story told. And so over two and a half years, I've been working with it. We're just coming to the end of it right now. So I'm working on a book we call from the files of PIP. Okay. You know, Paranormal investigators, right. you know, Pennsylvania investigators, paranormal phenomenon. And that's going to be the featured story in the book. Like right now, I'm up to about uh, 6,000 words, about another 2,500 words are going to finish our story. And then I have mm -hmm. other interesting cases that we worked on, like case I was telling you before about uh, the people who were, who were dabbling in the witchcraft. That's going to be in that book and, and things like that. That's the one I'm working on there. Uh, and, uh, trying to think I, I think i'd have to look at my computer i got another book i'm working on too <laughs> so, uh, that's all I, on the back kind of, I, I did i did a route 22 and a route 30 i'm thinking about also doing a route six across the northern tier how far does your cool. route 22 go Where that starts start? at point, point state park in pittsburgh it goes right through the stemmy's tavern in eastern pa out where they make the mm. crayons funny thing both the 22 and the 30 book they start in Point State Park and they both end in a bar. <laughs> yeah. That's and funny. Stemmy Tavern out like in the is haunted by the spirit of a gangster. Uh. Yeah. But it's haunted by the spirit of a gangster out there. It, it took a hell of a lot to kill him. They, they, he got shot like six times with a revolver, three or four times with a rifle, and they finished him oh off my. with a shotgun. Oh, my. And he was still across the floor. So he, uh, uh, he haunted. So with all the investigations you've been on and all the years uh, involved with everything paranormal, uh, you know, what would your advice be for, you know, say some of our listeners that are like, you know, I'm going to try and start getting involved with paranormal, you know, like Sean and I, you know, we, we have our own advice, but, you know, like we want to get your input as well. And, you know, what could well, you recommend? Number one, I'd tell them, if, first of all, you have to, have to uh, decide what your motives are for wanting to do it. Okay. Our okay. motives because we want to help people. That that's what we want to, we want to help people. Uh, we, we don't do it for, uh, uh, for, for entertainment. We don't do it for entertainment. We, we do it. It's, it's a serious thing and we do it to help people. And that'd be the first thing I'd tell them. Second, I would tell them to find a paranormal group in your area. Okay. That is respected. And, and as they're doing the, that they're doing it the way it should be done and are getting results and stuff like that. And then join it as a, uh, as a trainee of some sort. Uh, uh, like I say, you know, way back when I joined up with, uh, you know, Patty Wilson and the ghost research foundation out in central Pennsylvania. we did a lot, a lot of work out there. I mean, we, we investigated the Antietam battlefield down there, uh, you know, uh, with, yeah. with permission. Yeah. That's and, nice. uh, yeah, because we uh, there's a, a flag officer buried on the southern end of the uh, of the bridge down there, the Burnside Bridge, and we thought we had we had a member who thought he had the location done. He even went to the point of running uh, ground penetrating radar and everything else, but we didn't find it. And it cost him like three thousand dollars for that ground penetrating radar and an operator. <laughs> but Ooh. yeah, and we didn't we didn't find it. But that's wow. uh, things like that happen. And uh, but yeah, you, know, you hook up with a with a, a, a good team that that's 
that has a, a good reputation and not just a bunch of high school kids running around with K2 meters. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah, high school yeah. kids you know, Halloween's not coming a, up too. Not enough to drink but yeah. I think it's some demons you know, yes. I'll, I'll tell you about it real, real quick I'll tell you about a cemetery uh, you may have heard of it uh, the uh, oh yeah, it was in that cemetery down around 22 from the movie ah uh, I forgot the name of the cemetery. It's uh, it was in the Night of the Living Dead. Oh, the movie okay. Night of the Living Dead. Was that Mount Carmel? No, no, no. That's Mon- the act. No, that's no, the no. truth. Um, geez, uh, mm. uh, you know it'll hit four. you like three. Well, let me, let me go yeah. Livermore. Livermore. That's Livermore. it. Livermore Cemetery. Okay, that that's yeah. not too far from where I live. If you go over, that place has been trashed like you cannot believe. Uh, tombstones <laughs> oh knocked over the hillside. They used tombstones oh for uh, for uh, building bonfires and making fire pits with them. Uh, beer parties, uh, all terrible. this other stuff. It is. And if, if you get caught over there trespassing, local magistrate is not going to give you a fine. He'll send you straight to the Indiana County Jail. And you can appeal while you're in jail. Okay, you, you know, You're going to get like 10 days, but even so. But... All right. uh, I've seen this damage over there. Here's the problem with that. Okay. They said night of the living dead, Livermore cemetery. That's the beginning of the movie. You see the big sign says Livermore cemetery. Ramirez took that sign from Livermore cemetery up to Evans city and put it back up there and took the picture and then took the sign back to where it belonged. That oh, cemetery wow. was never, the cemetery was never in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's one. Oh, wow. I did not <laughs> yeah. know that. Yeah. That's one. Oh, wow. Two is, Two is, it was a movie. <laughs> it was a movie. There's no zombies running around there. How do you know? <laughs> you never know. There might be. I don't know. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that's kind Ramirez of like Quaker invented the modern concept of the zombie anyhow. Before him, oh, there, was, wow. there was a different concept. What and was that? The other thing is they say that the, the, there's spirit activity in the cemetery because when they flooded the town of Livermore, they moved the cemetery up on the hill, and they're upset about being moved. That's also wrong. That cemetery was on top of the hill from day one. Mm-hmm. And But the one cool thing about the town of Livermore, in mm-hmm. 1948, that town was flooded out for you know flood prevention program. They made the, uh, is it the Loyal Hannah Dam? I think it's the Loyal Hannah Dam. I'm not sure the name of the dam. But... If you go down there, now there's a rails and trails, West Penn rails and trails there, and there's a, uh, a uh, like a bridge. You get halfway across the bridge. You go down in the morning when it's misty. You look down there. Sometimes you can see the rooftops of the town in the mist. Yeah. The mm. cool thing about that is that's a residual haunting. The cool thing about that is the town was bulldozed by the Corps of Engineers before they flooded it, flooded it, so there's no buildings there. Oh, and wow. I have seen... I have seen those rooftops. Hmm. I've gone down there early That's in the morning, cool. and I have seen those rooftops down through the mist. You can actually see them in there. Wow. But Don't they the, call that the cemetery town? is not haunted, except maybe it's haunted by some really, really upset spirits that are, are just laying in wait for someone to come back to trash the place before. You know? I don't hmm. know why I always thought that cemetery was Mount Carmel. No, no, no. wasn't it? I thought I was saying. I thought it was St. Xavier Cemetery up there in Evans City. Do I have that right or wrong? I'm not sure. 
I think it was. I, I, I get the impression Saint Xavier's was a cemetery that was used in the in the movie, but I'm not 100 percent sure about that. I, I'm probably wrong. Oh uh, no! Yeah, I tell you what, though, but I caught good. my uh, my first uh, full figured Shadow Man in a cemetery. <laughs> Remember that show? Oh, yeah. Yes, Grove. I do. Yeah, yep. yeah. Wow. I was taking yep. pictures, and out of like 400 pictures, there was one with a legitimate, like tall Shadow Man walking. You know, amongst the tombs, and it was, it was pretty fascinating. It was cool. It was cool. Very oh, fascinating. Yeah. But, yeah. Wow. So, so what's your next investigation, Ed? Uh, we just finished one, and we're doing the the work on it now. Listening to video, looking at staring at videos, listening to audio and stuff like that. We did last Saturday of a uh, a fire hall uh, done near. Uh, uh, Connellsville, south of Connellsville, that uh, mm-hmm. was used as a morgue for a while. And we had we got some good results done there. Um, we were we were able to cross over a number of spirits there. And we that's the old fire hall. And our next investigation is going to be in the new fire hall of the the same fire company because okay. we had activity there. And uh, that there's a. Uh, American Legion up in East Connemaw Township, Johnstown, that has uh, some kind of spirit activity up there. We're not sure, but uh, they had two bartenders quit because they were getting tired of hearing their names called and there was nobody there. Um, and that's pretty much it right now. Uh, I think we have a couple of private residences on the back burner right now, too. Cool. Well, yeah, I, I, I hate. I fact-checked that. It is the Evans City Cemetery for the Night of the Living Dead. That's what it's oh, called, just the Evans City Cemetery. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I know it's in Evans City. Yeah. It's real close to the witching hour, and I would like to thank Ed for being on the show and sharing and his thank you book. for allowing me to yes. be on the show. Thank you for joining um, us for Torture yes, Tuesday. thank you. Torture yeah. Tuesday. Hey, can and, I give myself uh, a little plug here? Can I give myself May. a little plug? Like, mm-hmm. like to invite anybody that wants to check out my website, www.ekelleman.com. That's E-K-E-L-E-M-E-N.com. Uh, that has my books listed on it, a little bit of bio information on me. And I think I have a couple sample columns and stuff like that in there. And uh, I, you know, I like people to come visit my website. And all my books are available on, uh, on Amazon as well as in I my website lists like 30 some retail places I have across the state. That's great. Nice. Okay. And that, I appreciate and that's my commercial. That. Now you guys got to do a commercial too, right? <laughs> oh, yes. Don't worry. We will. <laughs> and remember yeah. tonight's episode was sponsored by Carnation. Right. Yes. Cheers. Cheers for <laughs> Carnation. Um, want to thank Ed again for being on the show and, uh, you can follow us on YouTube and Facebook. And next week guest is, is that Irene or Eileen yeah, Jones? Yeah. Eileen Jones with the Backroads Paranormal. And Great. everybody, have a good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, and, and thank you. Good night, everybody. Thank you, Ed. All right. And thank you. Thank you for having me hunting. on here. I really, really enjoyed it. We really enjoyed your company, too. Happy hunting. Okay, thank you. Thank you.